2: The Last of Us is an action show that doesn't cut to the action,
1: and we asked
2: the editors of the show why. I want this to
1: be character-based action. I want the character of Joel and the character of Ellie to be the forefront of the viewer's mind and made sure that we were telling it directly from their perspective. In doing so, it shows the viewer that Joel is becoming truly so connected to her that he's starting to not be able to see a world without her.
3: This show and its story is absolutely incredible. And we as editors wanted to learn how to tell a story like this. So we sat down with the editors of The Last of Us and explored the editing philosophies that made this show one of the top streaming shows of 2023.
2: They explained their tricks for editing action, how they made a kiss feel earned. and described how editors can use empathy to find the best footage. And Tim gives a shot-by-shot breakdown of how Bill and Frank made us all ugly cry.
3: And I'm sorry, he might make you cry again.
2: Because of this podcast, I got to interview one of my literal dream guests, Simon Smith, who edited Andor. But the plot twist is, as we finished the interview, my SD card failed.
3: However, there was a cloud recording and the footage was saved, because of Riverside. All the remote interviews we've had have been recorded with Riverside. Ryan Trahan, Euphoria, and even the team at Pixar have all been in our Riverside studio. But the best thing is that Riverside recordings are significantly better video and audio quality than anything we've ever used. The magic is that the interview is actually recorded locally. So if the internet bugs out, if anything happens, we still have the recording. Riverside is also great for us editors because they get each of our cameras and
2: audio as separate recordings. There's no need for us to download and re-upload. Podcast operations
3: made easy. So go to the link in the description and use code editingpodcast for 20% off.
2: You guys also being the editors of the show, there's been multitude of creative choices that you guys have made. One of the most famous scenes that has come from the show is the Kansas City battle.
1: It was a massive sequence. It took them three weeks to shoot that overnight. And normally like a sequence like this is like physical action. And there's a lot of moving parts and there's all sorts of uh, things happening. But at the same time, we had this directive and you know, a lot of this comes uh, from Craig Mason. You know, he writes a tremendous script. One of the things he sort of said was, you know, I don't necessarily want this to be just physical action. I want this to be character based action. I want the the character of Joel and the character of Ellie to be the forefront of the uh, viewer's mind. And so we, you know, you have billions of pieces of sub-stories, little tiny pieces that would uh, showcase peripheral action. One of them is like shooting himself in the face to get rid of them. The other one is like being pulled off of a car, that was important for us to make sure that you see the threat to character. But ultimately, when we were putting it all together, we said, how does this all affect Joel? How does this affect Ellie? We did in the edit was we actually isolated all of those moments between Joel and Ellie and made sure that we were telling it directly from their perspective. And Joel being in that sniper's nest, he can't do anything except fire.
2: That's a really important discipline. When you are cutting an action sequence, it's like part of it is you would kind of would feel obligated to the action. I mean, the action's kind of the secondary
1: priority in this. In a way, yes. And and so that's what's interesting is that you frame it with the, you know, action as sort of the background (laughs) and the character being the foreground. The way I would uh, sort of approach it was it was a two-person scene with just, a thousand extras. (laughs) A lot of the decisions were also based on sort of thwarting expectations as well. For example, when the child clicker comes in to the van, we cut that in such a way that we don't see the child clicker enter the van. We see Joel see that there's something that's entering and it causes him immense distress. And then you see the child flicker coming in yeah. and that it was his primary goal to, to protect her. And in doing so, it, it shows the viewer that Joel is becoming truly so connected to her that he's starting to not be able to see a world without her.
2: In terms of structure, if the if the focus is on Joel and Ellie, yeah. when do you choose to then switch focus into the other characters?
1: Run down! Run What was cool about showing Kathleen and Perry's characters was that they were echoes of Joel and Ellie. He was performing this role of a protector. And so I made sure that there was a moment I saw in dailies where he pushes her behind him. And I said, well, this is important so that you can see that all of these characters that you might consider to be the bad guys are actually doing the same thing as the good guys.
2: That is an interesting parallel. It's like kind of connects them a little bit more then feels like an extension of Joel and Nelly's narrative. Reinforcing like a, a bit of a subtext of the whole show which is protecting.
1: Yeah, which is protecting the people that you care about. Joel and, and Henry are kind of echo characters of each other, which mm. is why when Henry is telling Joel like what he did to protect Sam, Joel kind of forgives him for it. He goes, I understand why you would do what you did. And I think for the audience, what that does is it shows you that it's not just you know black and white? It's all. V- very gray area kind of stuff. And everyone is doing what they are doing because they cared or loved someone.
2: But I think what is also interesting about that is their love for someone is protecting, but that protecting is violent. Yes. That does bring in a really interesting angle that I I think is kind of not really explored that much in narrative. And I think that's why this show feels very refreshing is because it actually is raising the question, love can grow, love can build, love can do incredible things, but love can also destroy. This show as a narrative explores how love Destroys Kathleen's love for her brother and how that has been taken away leads her on a destructive rampage. Absolutely. Henry's love for Sam is to protect him, and so he also kills. And there is this very tragic moment where it builds to, in the end, nothing. They love each other, and they will do anything for it, and it, in the end, kind of destroys everything in Kansas City. Everyone dies. Everyone dies.
3: In the season, it was so well placed to get a little bit more background behind Ellie and her whole story and her journey and where she's come from, the trauma she's gone through.
2: Tonight, I'm going to show you the four wonders of the mall.
3: And Emily, you took that episode, Left Behind, so tell us about that.
0: Yeah, so Left Behind was the first episode that I co-edited with Tim. The Left Behind portion was always my favorite. It was like that situation of falling in love with your friend, not being sure if they have the same feelings as as you. I've gone through that growing up. I'm gay. I know what that feels like. The scene that really comes to mind to me is the kiss. Ellie is trying to figure out how Riley feels, like, does she feel the same way? Does she not? And so we didn't want it to be too obvious. Building toward the kiss, I mean, we have the great dance sequence, which is like, was so fun. We built the dance in a way where you have this kind of escalation. So you start and she's more awkward and like hunched a little bit. I tried to keep pieces where you're feeling that teenage yeah. awkwardness. There's actually a shot in there of their feet mm-hmm. that I use where Ellie's just starting to kind of move a little <laughs> bit. And yeah. then there's like another connecting piece where you kind of feel like like they're really getting into this dance. And then we go back to the feet. And so it's kind of building those things. And they had done some takes wild lines, which we have, because they're in masks, so we can kind of have them say anything. And they were singing lines of the song, right? The I got you, babe. And so I timed it in a way where Riley's is like on the song and Ellie's is like a little bit off. I think it's like a little <laughs> early. I got you, I got you,
2: That's an interesting little touch, because it's helping build towards how they're not quite in sync just yeah. yet, literally. It yeah. makes
0: it feel real, which is what we're always trying to just 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 make it feel real. And so anytime we have any moment where we can do that, it's just those little details. And the payoff is so much more, like when they actually kiss that moment where Ellie kind of looks down and she has this like funny little smile on her face and looks up and then she's like oh no like did I misread this and we hold and we don't show Riley for a second because we're trying to figure out like oh my god like Mm. does she feel the same way and then we see her and she smiles and even like another detail that there's this moment in the white shot they realize they're kind of on the same page and Ellie still is holding her mask (laughs) and she drops it and she did that in one take that is so interesting that she's so nervous so vulnerable that she's taken off her mask and she's held it the entire time during this kiss and I loved that so I put that into my first cut because I just thought it was so cute and real.
1: Here's the great part. It allowed me to elevate Emily into this position. She was the assistant editor at the beginning of this project. And by the end of it, it was like, she's co-editing right alongside me. And I've been mentoring her and sort of telling her what I think is important. And you know, how to go about things, because I was mentored myself many, many uh, years ago. When we did episode three, I said, all right, I'm going to give you a couple of scenes to do. And so she would take a scene and then do it and then show it to me. And then I would give her feedback on said scene. And we would have these little discussions. Like one thing that comes to mind specifically is Emily did the sequence where Ellie finds the gun. Originally, she had had it so that, you know, she opens the drawer and you see the gun and then you see her reaction. And I said, well, Emily, what if you tried a version where she, we don't see the gun?" The audience is asking themselves, well, wait, what did she see? Until she picks it up.
0: And Tim and I started calling this the mini mystery, like that we're waiting. It's like the mini mystery. Like, what is she looking at? Like, and we use that a lot.
3: Barely withholding information. Barely withholding information. Exactly. If
2: I even remember correctly, I think that was, there was also some some very good setup there as well. About 20 minutes earlier, Frank did open up that drawer, get out that gun. That established to me, okay, that's there. And then when Ellie opened the drawer for me, I immediately knew that was like my two plus two moment. I figured it out with her. Exactly. Therefore, actually maybe understand her perspective a lot more like i already knew what was in there us as editors we feel that story coming through okay so this line has said it's complicated for you therefore i should cut to joel to get that reaction and i think even i've made this mistake when i've cut to it and i went all right that will do we feel that cut but sometimes you really need to make sure what is extra elements that you need to add so for the audience they still feel your intent as well and
1: it's something that we've talked about a lot and it's about going through the scenes, not from the perspective of just sort of the logistics of the scene, Mm. but from how the character is feeling at every moment and how those performances sort of inform the story. You would say, I picked this shot because this performance made me feel understanding for the first time what this meant.
0: We watch everything. We Mm. watch every piece of footage and we mark it up as we're watching it. So it'll be like, you see this glance from one of the characters and you feel that it's real. So we're marking these things. As we get through the footage, you start having kind of this arsenal of footage that you can use.
1: You're only going to experience that moment once. And so if it affected you the first time, you put a little mark down. Because then when you go back to it and you've seen it before, you're like, oh, eh, I saw it, I saw it. But then you go, ah, but I marked it, which means it did affect me at that time. Therefore, it'll affect someone else who is a fresh viewer. And I think it's a psychological thing. And and for me, it's like I get to be an amateur psychologist, which is Mm. so fun. I get to, like, pretend I understand everyone's problems, except my own, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I love watching dailies to say, oh, that's what they're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And, oh, they're feeling this right now. And, oh, they're feeling that right now. And, oh, does this service the story? Does this service the character? Does this service the emotion? Mm. And so then once I understand all of the emotions that have taken place in said scene, then I get to figure out which ones are the ones that are important.
0: And we actually use, like, there's a special marker when we, like, see a piece of footage like, yes. oh, this is like the best <laughs> thing ever and we have to use it. Yeah,
1: it's the magenta marker. The magenta marker. marker. Get, marker. Get so wow. The magenta marker. The
3: magenta so magenta marker. So it sounds like you're, like when you watch the dailies is like one of the most crucial points of the entire editing yeah. process. I
0: mean, Tim always talks about it, like getting all your ingredients ready for like, yes. kinda, like your recipe. Like it's yeah. like when you're choosing your ingredients and making sure you have the right stuff.
2: In the same way, when you're cutting onions, you start crying. When you start cutting some of these scenes
3: in The Last of Us, you start crying as uh, well. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> Is so yeah, they're, they're, they're still very well I connected, like yeah. Hello. Cheeky segue. <laughs> we just wanted to take a moment to let you know about some of our favorite products. Get funding for your content. That's it. That's what Creative Juice can offer. Juice funds have helped creators upgrade their gear, hire editors, or... Start the podcast they've always dreamed of.
2: Which was amazing for us because we uh, really underestimated how expensive a podcast is. It's a lot of beans. But what's really exciting about Juice though is that you stay in total control of your
3: content. Which is awesome because it's only you that knows exactly what you need for your channel. Juice just supports you with funding and resources. Think invoicing, expenses, income, and more. Let Juice automate the busy work of your business so you can do what you do best creating. 70% of juice funds creators used funding to build out their teams. And so you could use those funds to, well, hire an editor.
2: Wait, we're editors. We're editors. You could hire us.
3: Go to the link in the description and sign up for juice today at getjuicecom slash funding. We need to have a serious conversation. I need you to stop spending your entire day looking for music that actually isn't even that good. But Track Club
2: is actually full of bloody great music. Their entire library is banger after banger and mash.
3: We also know that audio is essential for creating an emotional world for your audience. This is why beyond having great music, Track Club has MixLab, which allows you to use stems to customize it to your situation.
2: For example, there's this documentary song that I really liked that sounded hopeful. But if I soloed the vocals, that sounded scary. Or I just used the mallets to create a build. And Track Club makes it super simple to avoid
3: copyright strikes. Paste your channel's URL into Track Club and Bob's your uncle, your videos will be cleared automatically. My uncle's name's Dave. Guess what? They're offering your first month for free. So go to the link in the description and get your free month of Track Club today.
1: Here's the thing, Frank. If I feed you, then every bum you talk to about it is going to show up here looking for a free lunch. And this is not an Arby's. Well, Arby's didn't have free lunch, it was a restaurant. When we did episode three, both Craig and Neil is that they would say to people like, listen, we love this, we wanna make it great. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking you as our collaborators to please bring all of yourselves into this and to give it what you think. It allowed them to see things perhaps from a different perspective that they may not have thought of Mm -hmm. and things that we had experience with that they don't have experience with. I'm a gay person as well. Mm -hmm. And I am a Frank in a relationship with a Bill. So I really do understand this. You know, We're lucky enough that. we are members of this community that we can you know sort of find those little moments and show them to the world and Mm -hmm. i and one of my favorite things about the episode three being review bombed Mm -hmm. is that it means it worked i also understand the nuance between what happens when gay people first meet each other and i said oh my gosh this is really important to me to be able to show again these moments Mm -hmm. where you're sussing out the other character and you're trying to figure out are they? Aren't they? What was the moment when Frank figured it out? Well, Frank figures it out pretty early, actually. <laughs> well, a lot of this comes from Craig Mays. He figures it out kind of when he lets him out of the hole. And he's like, You already know I'm about at lying. Bill kind of looks away. And he's got a gun on him, and he looks away. So, And then Frank, you know, as a gay person, goes, Oh, this guy's thinking about it and then even in the first dinner sequence Frank pushes him a little bit and says a man who knows to pair Rabbit with a Beaujolais I know I don't seem like the type no you do and it catches Bill off guard and Bill goes I've been caught retreat one of the beauties of Nick Offerman is that he I think he's the one who figured out To have his gun hit the side of the chair as he sat down as this moment to realize he's he's totally taken off guard
2: it's a reminder of his protection and actually how it's not even relevant anymore
1: it's not relevant why is this here you should be just having lunch with this guy Mm. but as we see later Mm. he cannot keep a gun away from a lunch (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's good. For me, one of the most important scenes in The Last of Us is not an action scene or anything like that. For me, it's actually the small moments, those emotional moments. And the biggest emotional experience that I had is between Bill and Frank, when Frank is telling Bill that he's ready to go.
3: Then love me the way I want you to.
2: With that music montage that we had afterwards. Please tell me how you made that scene.
1: Craig wrote this script, and it's still the best thing I've ever read. I don't think anything can top it. It's so beautifully thought out. Peter Hort, the director, is also a gay person who knew exactly how to talk to the actors. And Murray Bartlett, also being a gay person, he's like, I know this experience. And Nick Offerman not. Mm-hmm. And Nick Offerman was sort of the one who needed everyone to sort of surround him and say, hey, man, we're going to help you. I don't know how much help he needed because he was so good. We had basically been very restrained with them emotionally this whole time. It's I tried very hard to make sure that the performances were not over the top. I'm not fighting about it, back in I bed. I promise you I'm gonna stay up. Why? Because this is my last day. And to find the most restrained and simplest performances, for lack of a better word. The sequence starts on them in the in the living room and it was important for me to just sort of set that up. There wasn't anything to cure this before the world fell apart. I've made up my mind. And also the tableau of that shot, Frank, is actually higher in the frame than Bill. Bill is lower. He feels very disconnected. And I wanted the audience to feel that same disconnection. And for me, it was not cutting. I didn't want to make any edits until Frank basically says, Bill, you have to look at me. Bill. Only when Bill starts to engage with Frank did I decide to make the edit. Because I wanted the edit to basically then bring us as the viewers in as though we are Bill. And we are not sure we want this either. And so it allows the audience and Frank to see that Bill is actually in tears. And then you realize that. And then Frank realizes that. What was so nice about Peter Hoare's photography here is that he kept it as simple as possible. It allowed the actors to really just make this moment theirs. And sometimes my job is to get out of the way of that. Everything should feel motivated. The next piece is Frank tells him... I'm not going to give you the every day was a wonderful gift from God speech. I have had a lot of bad days. I've had bad days with you, too. Myself was feeling I desperately want to see Bill now because anytime anyone says to you that I had bad days with you, you i feel like I, I i want desperately to see how that feels on someone i i know how it feel to me i thought i was a good person i thought i was good for you but then he says but i've had more good days with you than with anyone else it was great to see bill look up and re-engage and so at that point frank says just give me one more good day i just want to have one good day i want to do our stuff and craig Mason is always about like as an older married couple people just want to do their things and we have our things, and we're going to do our things. Take me to the boutique. But that'll also allow me to be in a wider frame, which would give a greater accentuation to the next close-up. We'll get married. But I have to be on the closer shot. The thing I really enjoyed about doing it was that I made sure Bill didn't have a huge response to that. I didn't want it to be a very sort of like, we'll get married, you know, what? You know, I, I could have done that. There are pieces of the scene where that might have happened. I could have made that happen. But I wanted it to be very simple and very, you know, sort of not a lot of movement. What's wild about this is because the, the outbreak happens in 2003, None of the marriage equality stuff has ever happened. So for them to say, I'm going to we're going to get married is something that, A, wouldn't even be legal. So for them to have this experience of doing this and to be basically breaking all of the, the rules to to express the love that they feel for each other was was really, really important. Then you will crush all of these up, put them in my wine. I will drink it. At that point, it was important to go back to Bill because I wanted to see how he would react to being asked to do this. And what's great about Nick is he basically said, I'm not going to react at that moment. Then you will take me by my hand. That's when he breaks. Bring me to our bed. He's like, no, I can't do it. I can't. I was holding on. I was restraining myself. I was being the Bill that I am until you told me that you're going to take me to my bed. And then it was important to go back to Frank. And I will fall asleep in your arms because that's the most romantic notion. And then I held on Frank because I wanted not to see Bill start to cry because I wanted Frank to also be determined and to show the audience how determined he was. And I will fall asleep in your arms. And then I wanted to slightly hear Bill start to cry. And then we cut to Bill crying. And Nick Offerman did this. They would say it's an ugly cry. I I didn't think it was ugly at all. I thought it was so beautiful. He released all the emotion he's had for Frank this whole time in a way that he has never done. At that point, I wanted him to stay looking away from Frank, that he's still not in this. And then Frank has to ask him, Do you love me? but I also wanted to make sure that it was not just a question that he's asking without thinking about how it's going to affect Bill. So I wanted to add to the head of that shot because I wanted him to go, I know this is going to hurt him, but I still have to ask it. Do you love me? Bill now, of course, looks up at him. Yes.
3: Then love me the way I want you to.
1: I was holding on, the, on Frank after he said it because I wanted the audience to kind of have that moment to go, that's what he said so many years ago.
3: This is my street too. Just, just let me love it the way I want to. Then love me the
1: way I want you to. And then Nick's rendering of that feeling was to have a slight chuckle about that in the midst of his tears, which was so sort of lovely to see him sort of like go, yeah, you're right, and you're right and I'm going to do this. That is the moment when I decided that some sort of a music, uh, piece of music has to start at that exact moment when he is on board. Then love me the way I want you to. This was an, an opportunity for us to now release the well, as it were. And so the well of the emotion, for me, was about not just the people, but the place that they had built. The montage is a very specifically designed montage, and we had days of footage of that town, just mountains of stuff. But it, in the end, it came down to the pieces that I felt were important to character. And the very first thing I thought about was this little bunting. It felt very American, and the wind of it made it feel like it's, it's, something was brewing. And seeing the leaves on the trees first, and then seeing the leaves on the ground was important to me to say that this is the end. And we were lucky enough that the weather that day actually cooperated because the wind on the street with Bill and Frank was truly remarkable. So that was just a very happy accident. And then seeing just inside the window of the greenhouse, there was all sorts of material inside the greenhouse, but I was like, I would like the audience to actually just be peering into what their life was. And then the artist's brush—it made me feel like this was pen's down. This is the last thing he ever painted. And then the other piece, which was I thought so interesting, and Craig was felt very, very much that this was important. They never covered the hole where they met, so they never put it back together. They never made it another trap. This became an important place for them. And so to see that as pretty much the last image before the sun goes down made you understand how deep and how long their love has lasted. So then going into the wedding was important to immediately set the stage at the piano. And the piano was critical because that was where they first met. It was all in one frame and it made perfect sense to do so. All that really matters is to do this in as little, as few cuts as possible because it's about their experience. But the most important part of their experience to me was how they looked at each other. After they had exchanged the rings, there was a moment where the camera comes back up and I waited for Frank to smile because what was important in that is that you did what I asked. That's when we are allowed to pull back and go into the dining room. And we see the lightest part of the frame in the dining room is the mantelpiece. And that was really important to me to pick out because the first thing that Frank did when he was in that house was he went over to that dirty mantelpiece and he was like, this is dusty. I have a purpose here. I can make this place look nice. So for him to see that the mantelpiece was now beautifully lit with fresh flowers and no dust and having Murray see that, I just held on him looking at it. That indeed was his purpose, bring art and life to this place and to Bill's life in a way that he couldn't have done himself.
2: There was a meaning behind each card and there was a reason as to why and you could tell us why that was the most effective way to storytell their
1: relationship. And again, it's like it goes to, you know, what Craig has sort of given to us, which is these characters and said, I want you to do as... You what you would do to honor these characters that yeah. I that I've created, and and give us enormous freedom, and you know from our personal perspectives to be able mm-hmm. to bring parts of us. And
3: the fact that you were able to literally just write down like a paragraph okay. about each shot yeah. that yeah. you chose, I think mm-hmm. editors Need should that. be able to be to do that. If like if you can actually do
1: that, you know that you're creating mm-hmm.
3: well intentional, mm-hmm. intentionally placed art.
1: The editors have this. Amazing internal life mm-hmm. that they bring to these projects. That you know, in in a way, it's like because you're so engrossed in the in the story and the character, of course, you don't notice it. Mm-hmm. But we've that's because we've thought about it for you. So we've done yeah. all that work. Yes. Yes. <laughs>